the legend of Cayman Jack is just around the corner. Mixed with blue agave nectar, real lime juice, and cane sugar for the perfect balance of sweet, salty, and sour every time. Discover legendary taste with Cayman Jack, America's number one margarita. Premium flavored malt beverage. Please drink responsibly. All registered trademarks used under license by American Vintage Beverage Company, Chicago, Illinois. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. There, you're uh, you're backing up your car there. Where are you going with the family? Oh, that's funny. You're going to IKEA. Mm. That's so weird because I haven't been to IKEA in years. Oh yeah. I keep it real local. You know what I'm saying? Real local. Where are you going after that? Are you going to Pier One? Oh, that gonna... sounds silly to me. Couldn't caught me dead in Pier One. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's an inside joke with myself. <laughs> well, you have fun now. Any of you sick? Any of you not feeling too good? Mm. You sure? Your mother's looking kind of big. She's not feeling too sick? Well, I'll be seeing. Oh, I'll babysit any time. Don't you worry. <laughs> All right. You betcha. Oh, that's I'll great. be seen. That's perfect. That, that's your impression of a Wisconsin conversation, and you nailed it. <laughs> that's I. That is a perfect example of what it is to live in Wisconsin. Wow. Okay. Just constantly asking people if yeah. they're going to IKEA because Absolutely. you've got a house full of fucking human skin placemats. <laughs> it's the only kind. All right. Welcome to the show. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks, all the way from beautiful Toronto. Um, oh my god, am I excited for today's episode It's Ed Gein Day It's Ed Gein Day Put your hands mm. together Cause it's Ed Gein Day mm. If you're a big fat man, I want you to slap your titties against your belly Do if that you're, If you're a sexy woman I want you to slap your tits against your belly yeah. Because Ed Gein always wished he could have done that Ed Gein, we're going all the way to beautiful Wisconsin Plainfield, we'll be talking about that That's 20 minutes outside of where I grew up In the uh, wonderful Stevens Point Oh, well, mm-hmm. let's hear now, how Now Ben, honestly, this is the only time In which anything that you remotely know innately Can mm-hmm. be useful to the show <laughs> Yeah, that's correct, that's correct you know, you know how to pronounce these names So you have mm-hmm. to make sure that we're pronouncing them right oh, I'll Because nail. most of these are all just fucking Native American coughs. <laughs> they, they really are. We have a yeah. lot of the Chippewas and a lot of things like that. But if I say the Wisconsin, uh, the name of a Wisconsin town, and you don't think it's right, you are wrong because that is my home state. Yeah, yeah. Too many verns in that state. A lot of verns. But can you have too many verns? <laughs> no, because you can never have too many people serving up camp-style lunches. <laughs> That's what verns also, do. They create an amazing Salisbury steak. And do you want some potatoes on the side? You're getting them. <laughs> This is real. This show is for the locals. This I'm excited cool. for this. Yes. Um, also, what I noticed in watching a lot of documentaries about Ed Gein, a lot of use of the surname Umfer. <laughs> Umfer and Vern. That was it. Was supposed to be Laverne and Shirley. Was supposed to be Umfer and Vern, but they went with the more feminine route. Yeah, because originally it cast a 400 pound hunchback. Yes, uh, Umfer as Umfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when they got the when they when uh, when the executive producer threw up all over his suit. Right. They changed it up and made it a woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Umphers don't make very good butlers because they block the door. Yeah. And uh, butlers are supposed to escort people inside. Um, what I love about today's story is, of course, Ed Gein. We've kind of hopped around Ed Gein for a little while. Oh, yeah. We covered him a long time ago. Um, but getting deeply into his story, we read the book by uh, Schechter. Harold Schechter, yeah. Schechter. Harold Schechter Deviant, which is incredible. It's very fun. Uh, and Ed Gein's story is incredibly fascinating, mm-hmm. and it's a little different than other big hitters that we've covered because he's not a uh, he's not like a p- pure predator. No, he's a nice guy. If anything, he's a reverse um, grave digger. 
No, you know, he's a grave yeah. digger. hundred no, percent. There is no reverse. He's here. a reverse putting people in grave. He takes them out. He tries to bring them back to like, life, like that do, movie, like that TV show. Grave robber. That's yeah, the word you're looking grave for. Grave robber. That's what it is. Yeah. It's not like one of those movies where you film it backwards and then you play it forward. Ooh, you know, until you can you make the effect look different. He yeah. just he was trying to eat some dead old women's <laughs> pussies. But I want to dispel a myth. A myth right up top. Ed Gein was not a cannibal. No. He was a purist. <laughs> oh, by the way, just a little bit off topic, but so happy to see Jeffrey Dahmer trending on Twitter this week. Isn't it great? And I don't know if you guys have read those stories. We'll get right back to Gein, but of course Dahmer's a Wisconsin guy as well, kind of connected. I didn't realize Dahmer was such a jokester. He had something. Did you mm. see he had the- can- I don't believe it. He had the Cannibals Anonymous Club. He wrote that <laughs> on a side and put that into his uh, in his prison cell so no one would bother him, but that is just good prison humor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, was- <laughs> I mean, it seems like it's a prank that happened to him. It seems like once that happens in prison, a good like schoolyard prison right. prank would it be like take the word like cannibal and slap it on his back. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm a cannibal, kick me. <laughs> <laughs> I think well, he was a target. Well, Wisconsinites are full of joy, full of laughter, um, and full of humor. And we'll get back to Ed Gein, who was always smiling. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, uh, one more thing, literally always smiling because he had a fucking mental defect. Oh, literally come on. Leave him alone. He had a nice hat. <laughs> um, but yeah, so well, number one, Ed Gein is not a cannibal. That no, is true. He is not. Um, second of all, what I love about this story is that, again, it's just this example of that the boogeyman is real. Yeah. That when it's that house out in the middle of nowhere, when you read about when we're going to cover, like, kind of where Ed Gein lived, they all, every kid in the neighborhood knew that that was the haunted house. They would dare each other to go and, like, ring his doorbell and, like, run away because old Ed Gein would come out and be like, you want to come inside and play with these apples I made? I made my own apples. And they're like, "What do you? How do you make your own apples, Ed?" He's like, "They're just a bunch of hands." Mm, hand apples. I love a good hand apples, Bob. And for hand apples, that was a fun game you could play in the Gein backyard. The other thing, a, about- Ed Gein would always say exactly what he was doing, but then with a laugh oh, afterwards. They it was all, some cool yeah. joke. That's yeah. what they always do. Oh, yeah, man. And the other thing about Ed Gein, the lowest body count of uh, any heavy hitter besides O.J. Simpson, uh, this guy only had two murders, possibly three, under his belt over a period of, I would say, six years, Mm -hmm. uh, somewhere around there. Uh, But let's get— got an A for effort. You know what I mean? (laughs) Mm -hmm, Because mm -hmm. when you're your own Martha Stewart— that's something special. She runs an yeah. empire. Today, you know what I mean. Be- but you know, it, most of his stuff was was stuff he could uh, stick his dick through, and he, so he could yeah. pretend he had a vagina. So if you have some super glue and some scissors around, all you need to do is find yourself fifteen human nipples. And today on Martha Stewart, we're going to be making a human nipple belt. <laughs> so stick around. Martha, it seems like the biggest problem with the craft is is getting all the nipples. <laughs> yes, yes, it's not easy. Today's episode isn't as simple as making a cake. So we're gonna have to rob. We're gonna have to rob graves or kill kill women to get these nipples. Bob, Bob, feel your chest right now. Yeah. No, you have no nipples. I stole them from you. <laughs> yeah, the whole crew, the whole crew has lost their nipples. That's how good I am. I'm sorry. Right, so sit back in your chair made out of straps. From <laughs> dead little girl. Uh, no, no, dead don't. little girl. Please no. don't have a chair made of dead little girls. Get yourself a bowl that's made from the thumb okay. bones of a homeless man. <laughs> Stuff it full of sweet, sweet Wisconsin Jamaican grain. Mm, uh, Wisconsin put it in your head, and we're we're getting on up. We're getting on up. Uh, a rickety old Ford driving down to Plainsfield, Wisconsin. Plainfield, yeah. All right, we're gonna read. We're gonna start off with a reading from Harold Schechter's Deviant to really set the scene of what Plainfield, Wisconsin, was like mm. in the 1950s. For the most part, Wisconsin is a beautiful state, a lush, sprawling park, an endless expanse of bright green meadows and thickly wooded hills. It's not until you cross over into the South Central Plain area, 60 or so miles north of the capital, that you feel you've suddenly entered a different and far less hospitable world. Every part of the landscape seems bleak and ungiving. The grass looks parched. The sky, even on a perfect spring day, presses down on you, and the soil is a faded pink, the same sickly color that the makers of children's crayons used to call flesh. To some Wisconsinites, this flat and infertile section of the state is known as sand country. Others call it Wisconsin's Great 
dead heart. Well, now that's a little overdramatic. You know, because really, it's the heartland of America. <laughs> it's the great dead heart, Ben. Oh, okay. You come from the great dead heart of Wisconsin. Huh, I, was, I didn't know that. We always pretend yeah, like it, it was alive. Yeah, and somehow traveled to the great dead heart of Ben Kissel. Huh. <laughs> Isn't that something exciting? People like to go uh, there. Can I ask real quick, have you ever been to Plainfield? Yeah, we used to go try to find his grave, but at that point, this was, you know, mid-90s, late-90s. It had already been so um, destroyed that they had just taken it away already at that point. And I think it's in some museum now somewhere. Cool. Well, the hometown of Ed Gein, Plainfield, seemed to exemplify the so-called great dead heart of Wisconsin. And in fact, the state guidebook at the time characterized the town simply as just nondescript. Right. Oh, I love to go to a nondescript place <laughs> I also for a vacation and put I put paper bags mm. on me and my family's heads mm-hmm. so it's all totally anonymous and then all we do is drink water and we stay there for about four hours and then we leave. <laughs> That's literally <laughs> what you would have to do in Plainfield, Wisconsin. I love the idea of the Wisconsin guide, like there's some family going on a Wisconsin road trip. Oh, let's check out Plainfield. What's that all about? <laughs> well, it says here it's got a, it's got a mailbox and it's got a, a guy who can... Oh, look at that. He can fart when you point at him. Oh, is that something? <laughs> that seems to be most town folks around that area. Gotcha. That'll be a nickel. That's a nickel. And a nickel goes far. Well, the population in Plainfield never rose above 800. Most of the res- residents were just poor, struggling farmers. Even the name of the local body of water seemed to confirm this bare, hopeless nature. The settlers called it Sand Lake. Yeah, just showed that they didn't understand water. Yeah, that's the thing. I think they thought sand was water. They wanted to call it water lake, but they just got it all wrong. No, 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 no. We can't be calling it water lake. That's redundant. All right? We got to call it something fun like like dirt lake or Mm -hmm. sand lake. But despite it being a barren and miserable place, it was still a close-knit, very prideful community, the kind of place where you'd have your annual Christmas pageants, your potluck (laughs) dinners, yeah. Big events attended by the entire town, including Ed Gein. So the Gein family, let's go way back and start with the patriarch of the Gein family. Let's start with George Gein, Ed's father. Now, everybody knows that every good serial killer starts with a really strong father figure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Somebody who really fucking guides their life and helps them. A good, healthy family structure that mm-hmm. encourages education and, uh, you know, assimilation into society. Oh, of course. Well, Ed, George's, uh, George's entire family died Mm -hmm. uh, when George was only three years old. Uh, They all died in a flash flood. They Mm. legitimately were just going into a town and a cart and a literally just started raining and they just watched the water come. Yeah, I just think that what it comes down to is that the Geens just wanted to go. I think that's true. And when you say flash flood, yeah, everything is slow. Yeah, this guy's. Oh, it's oh, it's coming. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, look at that there, oh, baby Gene. It's funny how it's like, it's getting. Higher. It's higher. It's, it's, what you doing to getting higher like that? I mean, hey, been, Betty Jean, why don't you go check and see if it's actually getting higher or if I just might. I got water on my glasses from when I was sucking out of the ravine. Mm, yeah. Well, George grew up to be an utterly insignificant man, a drunk prone to bouts of anger and self-pity. And then there was the love of Ed's life, his mother, Augusta. I gotta say this. Even just him describing Augusta, I kind of fell in love with her. Oh, Augusta's amazing. She's close to 330 pounds of pure muscle. Mm -hmm. Tits like the front of a battleship. Oh, yeah. A face like Ernest Borgnine if he was also half cigar. (laughs) No, 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 no. They said that she wasn't pretty. But she was a handsome woman. She was a handsome woman. And in Wisconsin, it's a utilitarian society. That's good. That's what you want in a lady, a good stock, a strong, uh, a, a good uh, wide stance. You want a woman that if a cow breaks its leg, she can just strap it to her back. Exactly. And drag it a field. Exactly. She was a stern dis- disciplinarian, self-righteous and domineering, completely. Stop, I'm getting hard right now. <laughs> I know, Augusta. <laughs> Self-assured in every one of her beliefs, and these beliefs should be spread, she believed, and preached to every single person that she came into contact with. In other words, the classic evangelical Christian pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, she was beyond judgmental, and she was one of those people that blamed 
blamed all of the ills of the world on the harlots and the hussies that mm. roamed the streets, tempting so men because- into abominable sin or worse. Mm. It's so weird because the, the women that that are normally this type of judgmental are ne- never have are never like a size three. You know what I mean? <laughs> like with like big bouffant blonde hair and like hourglass figure. They're pretty much always shaped like a refrigerator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's tough to say. Sometimes you can get those skinny ones out there, but for the most part, they are, uh, yeah, they they look as if they've definitely uh, given some swirlies to some girls they thought were whores. Yeah, always that. <laughs> yeah, look Could at you those. imagine? Because that's the thing is, other women being so terrified of oh, Augusta yeah. if she thought you were a whore. And oh she my would god! Just, and you're just you're literally just going to like an office interview, like right. you're just trying to get a job, and you're wearing like a pantsuit, and just like you goddamn whore, trapping around, just like, sna- grabbing you by the ankles and snapping you like a towel. <laughs> <laughs> that's what she does. It's- she believed that sex was a despicable act that should only be done to procreate, and mm-hmm. even then, it was not to be enjoyed. In fact, Ed said, uh, <laughs> if we were meant to have sex, Ed said that she told him, if we were meant to have sex, the Lord would have made it enjoyable. I want to watch her having sex with poor George. <laughs> oh, poor George. Oh, so I made you But some- how I imagine that she did it is that she would get him hard and then pull his dick back behind his balls right. and fuck him from behind. <laughs> into oh, her honey. own vagina. Oh, don't you know? That's okay. Okay. Thank you, Augusta. You just lay there and let me finish it myself. Let me finish <laughs> you're worthless. You're worthless piece of shit, George. You can't oh, even get hard on. for me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, Wisconsin men are very, very nice uh, because they outnumber women. It's like, you know, there's like 60%. At this point, it's probably even more like 70 to 30 or something. Um, so they're so nice. And these women, they just do very, very mean-spirited things to these poor guys. Oh, yeah. And the marriage was predictably horrific for every single person oh. involved. Uh, George was constantly berated by Augusta. But you could also say that she might have some reason to berate him. He was almost an aggressively lazy drunk. And sometimes he yeah, would refuse to even speak for days on end. He's been shell-shocked. <laughs> he's so torn down. He's so beaten down. He's just like, he's completely resigned to his fate that he's going to die in an easy chair. Yeah. But the, I way mean, they, the way they were they courted each other is also like a straight up, she just chose him because he was tall. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's what she, she was obsessed with the fact that he was tall and had a strapping good, like, because he had sort of like what she called a regal stance yeah. because yeah. he was tall and broad chested, but he was never a good worker. He had because basically when his family died, it set the tone for his whole life, and everybody told him, like, you should have died with him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, she chose him with, well, sitting in the corner of some smoky bar with chewing tobacco in her lips, spitting into a spittoon. She looked at him and she's like, yeah, that's the one. That's the one I'm taking home. And then he was just so thrilled a girl was talking to him, and then he had no idea that that was going to be the worst situation of his life. Oh, my God. And he was one hell of a drunk, although she was completely sober all the time. And, in fact, Ugh. when he came home drunk, she would start berating, you're just a drunk, George, you're just a drunk. And he'd start flailing at her with open. <laughs> hands, uh, just hitting her again and again. She'd fall to the floor and just keep hurling the insults and after each beating, which beating... I mean, that's... Augusta a, could take care of Augusta, herself. And yeah, and they, they described it as flailing with open hands. So it was pretty much just a slap fight. Uh, and then after he finished after he finished with her, uh, she would just get up, get down on her knees and just pray for his death. As you just know, and pray I find, for him to I die. always find that something like this, it's like, I understand, we had rough Christmases too sure. in my family. Like, we were very... It's a, It was a very intense household. But I would say that... Um, it's just like not great for kids. No, not ideal. <laughs> right? for Am kids. I going out on a limb? No, no. I think it's no. safe to say when George comes home drunk and has the slap fight with Augusta, <laughs> that's not the best evening for a child's life. And then she's got to pray uh, for death. You got to pray for his death. While Ed's <laughs> Dear just Lord there Jesus just Christ, <laughs> I mean, I want to hear that prayer so bad. Well, nevertheless, in 1901, Augusta allowed George to implant his seed in her musty, unwelcoming hole. Yeah, I saw that that you wrote that down there in the outlet. Musty, unwelcoming hole. I think it's a pretty accurate representation. (laughs) I don't know if it What if you took off her her underpants and she had the the sweetest, greatest vagina on the face of the planet and it drove... 
George insane. It's possible. It's possible. That's what she's protecting all these years. Yep. On January 17th, 1902, two days before my birthday, Augusta gave birth to Henry Gein, the oldest of the The Gein boys. Yes. Well, I mean... They both stayed single until the day they died, but... Which is really creepy, (laughs) living with your parents until your early 40s. No, I mean, not for playing field. That's pretty standard, pretty typical. I suppose so. Four years later, Augusta decided she could try again because she wanted a girl, someone that was free from the sins of man. Uh Uh-huh. She allowed George into her bed once more, and poor Edward Theodore Gein was created. Yep, Eddie sweet, Teddy. Sweet Eddie Teddy was born. Eddie oh. Teddy created with drunken PBR riddled sperm <laughs> as Augusta stared blankly into George's eyes. Literally, he's personification of born into the world with hate. And oh, I also like, love you, this you, sentence from Deviant. Uh, and Ed would not be sinful. He would not be like every other man in this abominable world. Mm-hmm. He would be pure. He would be good. But what he would eventually become would shock the world in ways we had never thought possible. Actually, that's not from Deviant. Those are my words. Wow, good yeah. <laughs> That is exciting, but he wouldn't be like everybody else. He wouldn't be like your normal, fat Wisconsin farmer. He was different. He you was know? different. And we're talking about oh, Bruce Jenner. Oh, my God, the transitioning that Bruce is going through. And I love that. And if you're trans, we support you 100%. But no one was there for Ed. No. I want to no. wear no. I want to wear human skin, he said. And everyone mocked him and made fun of him. Well, we'll get this probably later more into uh, in the second part of this uh, series. But this is very appropriate that we're doing this episode during Bruce Jenner's mm. coming out. Uh, because, I mean, all Ed wanted to be was a lady. He and did. so what I think is... Is that you know again if you're trans yes we support you entirely um but if just go buy a wig <laughs> <laughs> yes i mean if you are trans again don't don't skin don't go buffalo bill with it no don't, no, no, don't. No. Yeah. you don't got to anymore no, no. save Ed literally had to in a way <laughs> in a way in a way you however have the option to save up and have the surgery the gender reassignment ah. surgery you it's 2015 you have that choice now in move 1950 to a city move to a, get out of plainfield if right yeah. now i'm going to say this right now if you live in plainfield get the fuck out of plainfield <laughs> or stick around you never know when the economy is going to start coming back <laughs> you know plainfield's a beautiful place this podcast is brought to you by squarespace Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Well, Ed worshipped his mother from the very beginning. Uh, he He described her as... Pure goodness and tears would well up in his eyes 
any time he spoke right. of her. You know, I couldn't help but think of North Koreans when they sp- speak of Kim Jong-un <laughs> or in yeah. or, or un or ill. It, they Very just, close. They, they, he worshipped her to that level, though. Yeah. This was the end-all, be-all. This was God. Uh, to Ed Gein, which is very interesting. Yes, she was his savior, but he seemed to fail her at every single turn. Uh, his first memory was of a staircase when he was a toddler. He lost his balance at the top of the staircase, as toddlers do. Mm-hmm. And as he fell, he felt the crushing grip of his mother on his arm. She picked him up and just started screaming at him, shaking him. He right. knew he had done something horribly wrong, but just couldn't figure out what. All he knew was that his mother had saved him. But you know that was George's fault. Augusta was like, where's Ed, George? And George was like, I put him on top of the staircase to play. You well, know that was all she's George's fault. She's also got fault. Henry Gein, who's just trying to crawl out of the window. And, and also, <laughs> she's got fucking George tied to a rope to her belt, so he doesn't run out the door. I think legitimately everyone was trying to kill themselves. I think so. <laughs> I said I think there was definitely some self-conscious or um, some subconscious suicide going on. I think so. So another incident is that when Eddie was seven, his this mother. This is just a sad story. This yeah. is a super sad story. Uh, Ed, uh, Ed's mother charged him to walk just a block, only a block away it's, to buy bread. I will say blocks in Wisconsin are much longer than they are here in this city. There's no a block is like just from this rock to that rock, but that could be a mile, two miles. There's no rules. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, but somehow. During the walk from the house to the bakery, Ed managed to just lose all was, of the money that his mother had given him. I was just walking down the street, and I saw this dog. And I was like, oh, that's a funny little dog over there. You know what you could do? You could turn them little leg bones into, like, I've seen what them Chinamen use for forks and spoons. You could just, where's my money? <laughs> It's from money. <laughs> Maybe he planted it. Maybe he thought he was going to make a money tree. Kids are fun. <laughs> so he came back empty-handed, sobbing and terrified. She looked down at him and said in a quiet, heartbroken, bitter, bitter voice, You dreadful child, only a mother could love you. Oh, oh no. It was, was much quiet voice. <laughs> <laughs> was her... No, no, it was probably yeah. like, You dreadful child. Only a mother could love you. <laughs> oh, Augusta. <laughs> I love Augusta. I wish she was my mom. I gotta tell you, reading Deviant, and uh, if you read, if you're reading Devi- Deviant and trying to flirt with people, I feel like there is a yeah. there is a fucking problem that, like working through in my body. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. I just keep seeing like flashes of Augusta. Right. <laughs> Whenever I'm talking to a woman. Right. And I'm just like, oh no. That's yeah, what I you want. are when you go on dates, you're supposed to break down walls. You're building them up, Henry. <laughs> reading things like that in public. Oh yeah. And there's an, actually another book about Ed Gein that uh, I also took some information from. It's called Psycho. It's not as good as Deviant, but if you're an Ed Gein fanatic as I am. It's worth the read. Why aren't there any books just called Farmer? <laughs> you know, friendly, friendly guy around town, psycho and deviant. They're, they're these are very leading titles. Artist yeah, might that's work. The problem. Yeah, they're very judgmental. I think so. Uh, and I can't believe, yeah, the kind of judgment heaped on, upon this guy. Yeah, you know, because I mean, yes, he had a fucking cardboard box full of salted pussies mm-hmm. that he would drape over his own dick and balls. But he also was a son. And a brother. <laughs> he was a son and a brother. We'll figure out what happened to his brother here in a second. But so yeah. Ed's first experience with death came around the same time as the bread incident. Not too long after Eddie's birth, his mother took complete control of the family's destiny and opened her own grocery store in La Crosse, Wisconsin. This is also interesting. We're, we're going to find later on with the only two victims that Ed has that he loves local businesswomen. His mother was a, a both a she was a very solid businesswoman yes. and a go-getter like that's why it's like when it came down to the, the basically the whole family had to rely on Augusta Gein because she was the only one 
getting shit done. She was, and uh, this was not an easy thing for a woman to do. This is the 50s, maybe the early 60s at this point. Oh, no, this is 1912, uh, oh, 1910. Is, oh, the, when she opened the supermarket, it was 1910? Yeah, it was the... Holy shit. So you think about uh, what a woman's role was in society then, and this chick goes down to La Crosse, Wisconsin, your typical traditional Christian place. No one wanted a woman to own a supermarket, no. and that's how strong Augusta was. Oh, she yeah. She literally had to take this supermarket from the man who owned it before by putting him in a headlock. Yeah. And like, you don't think I can't choke you to death with my own tits? Exactly. She did everything like one of those uh, the glow wrestlers, gorgeous ladies of wrestling uh, people. Just get hard thinking about it. So there was a mm. building behind the store <laughs> where the family slaughtered the animals. Can I, um, can I read a passage from Deviant about this? Please. Behind the meat and grocery store was a windowless wooden outbuilding which he was forbidden to enter, Ed. As a result, it exerted a tremendous fascination. Ed had seen animals being led into the rear of the shack. Big-eyed heifers and grunting pigs. <laughs> and on several occasions he had heard a fearful bellowing coming from behind its sagging boards. Curiosity blazed in him. One day... When his parents weren't around, he went out through the back door of the grocery and stepped quickly to the prohibited place. The door was open a crack, enough for him to peer inside. There, hanging upside down from a chain in the ceiling, was a slaughtered hog. His father stood to one side of the animal, holding it steady, while his mother slipped a long-bladed knife down the length of its belly, mm. pulled open the flaps, reached inside, and began to work at the glistening ropes of its bowels which slid out of the carcass and into a large metal tub at her feet. Both his parents had on long leather aprons spattered with blood. He must have made some sort of noise. Oh, jeez, oh, Louise. Something like that. Because his mother turned completely around to look at him. And for the rest of his life, he remembered the moment with an uncanny clarity. The dangling beast, its carcass split open. It's guts slopping onto the ground. Mm -hmm. His mother standing beside it. Blood and slime smeared down the length of her body. Yeah, I love it. And it actually reminded me, we used to go to a great, one of my favorite uh, strip clubs in Wisconsin was called the Slaughtered Hog. And uh, my favorite, the second, my second favorite was, of course, the Dangling Pig. Or the I dangling love the Dangling I would have loved the Dangling Pig because of the trapeze act. Yeah. Like, strippers have Dang. a lot of theatricality, like, mixed in. You come down to the Dangling Pig Tuesdays, free beer from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. You know, and thank God the tragedies ended. ended. Yeah. And the tragedies finally ended once they fully supported that ceiling. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the Wisconsin stripper. Oh, my God. <sighs> well, we won't, we won't get into that. That's a whole episode, Wisconsin <laughs> strip clubs. But uh, it's interesting to me that they didn't want to watch, they didn't encourage him to watch the slaughter of the animals. They did have some sympathy to the idea that this would scar a child. He was, because that's what they said. One of the, one of the more, they, they talk about how when he was growing up, he had a lot of feminine qualities, which his father fucking hated. Yeah. Giorgio hated how attached he was to his mother. He thought he was a mama's boy, which which is um, the, the truth. It's what he was. Yeah, he's um, the definition of it, yeah. But he would cry horribly all the time at any sort of provocation. He he was very weak. He was very sensitive. Yeah. A little too sensitive. Well, George, you know I mean? if George was just more of a father figure, I think the whole house structure probably could have worked out a little bit better. Oh, yeah, I think so, too. There were a lot of mistakes made in the Gein right. household. right. So in 1913, Augusta decided that the Geens would be farmers. So the small, miserable family bought a homestead outside of Plainfield, Wisconsin, the same home that Ed would eventually do all of his horrific deeds. The appeal of the house mm. in Augusta's mind was the extreme isolation as she had come to regard La Crosse, Wisconsin, where the family had previously lived, mm -hmm. as a modern-day Sodom, where Which hussies, where oh, hussies yeah. ruled the streets. Yep, gals there, they were showing, they showed a little ankle, you know, <laughs> It was ridiculous. It's 1913. I, how much, how no, much skin could they have shown? Well, they can show a lot. Uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of <laughs> clothing as to cover skin. it up. There's, there's a lot of I do a love, lot of surface area. Yeah. that could be exposed. Sure. I love the but, supermarket though. That would be crazy to be uh, you know know this story and then to uh, to uh, have actually shopped in the Gein family supermarket. Oh yeah. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. 
So yeah, just fucking Ed just sitting there with a stake on his head, just being yeah. like, "Have you seen my new hat? <laughs> I think it's fun. It's keeping the sun out of my eyes, <laughs> and I keep getting all this." Blood in my mouth. <laughs> oh, good kid. So really, Augusta didn't really care all that much about Henry Gein. Ed was her project. Ed was her special little guy. Uh, and Augusta thought that out in the wilderness, he'd be safe from the influence of all of the harlots. The house, good. it was just surrounded by nothing but meadows, marshlands, just little clumps of mm. dying trees, an acre upon acre of pale, sandy soil. That's exactly what Ed needs. He needs isolation. <laughs> Desolation. Isolation. Yeah. Loneliness. Should he be around educated people who might try to help him with his mental problems? No, no, no. Put him near the bushes. <laughs> Put him near the... the specific, this is one of those specific stories, too, where a little dose of Lady Gaga. Oh, my God. <laughs> Again, yes. Where was her in her meat dress? Speaking of people who like to wear animal carcasses for clothes. Mm -hmm. Ed was not a happy child, uh, nor was he particularly well-liked by any of his classmates. By who? Yeah, by his three classmates? <laughs> 800 people. I don't know. That's probably a class of like 25 or something. Maybe 25. I grew up in a town of like three, 400, and I had 12 people in my class. Okay. All right. So, yeah, he had a few. All right. Yep. So I would also put it this way. Yeah, so yeah, this is also from Deviant. The problem is, is that he would try to watch how people act and imitate their behavior. Right. Um, but from the point of view of his peers, there was definitely something a little different about Eddie Gain. At no point in his life, not at any rate, until his simmering psychosis erupted into full-blown dementia, did anyone perceive that he might be d a dangerously disturbed individual. And in fact, it would have taken a fairly sophisticated eye to see in young Eddie's behavior, his social incompetence, for example, and increasing isolation. Um, but there were things about Eddie that certainly struck his schoolmates as peculiar. The way his eyes kept shifting around whenever he talked to you. The odd lopsided grin he always wore. Even when the conversation had to do with the deer hunting accident that killed Eugene Johnson or uh -oh. old man Beckley's heart attack. His habit of laughing at weirdly inappropriate times. Yeah. So he were listening to some strange private joke that no one else could hear. Wow, that's amazing that you just mentioned the only two ways to die in Wisconsin. A deer hunting accident or a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> or a serial killer. So the other thing about Ed is that in addition to all of his behavioral problems, he also had a slight physical defect. His left eye drooped down just a little bit further than his right. Because right. he had a very heavy mole on it. And uh, they would call it, they called it his saggy baggy eye. Uh. And, and uh, you know, and then next thing he knows... All those people are fucking furniture. So watch what you say when you're a kid, guys. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. He did. He did get some perfect revenge on on any of the bullies that he uh, had to deal with in school. Oh, definitely. No, it was just poor old women. <laughs> yeah, really, for the most part. He doesn't seem that strange to me, though, yet at this point. I mean, I think he could be saved still. He definitely could yeah. have been saved. I mean, I was a pretty sensitive kid. Sure. You know, I would cry quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, but, they, I mean, any time that someone made fun of his eye, he'd cry and blubber about it for days and days. And that was another word that they used yeah. quite a bit in Deviant, blubber. They didn't have yeah, any sugary could... snacks or good television shows to distract him. There was no Save by the Bell. We couldn't live through Kimmy Gibbler. You know, but there was a lot of people that I mean, I remember kids like this in school all the time. We were talking about this before and you talk a little bit about this in Sex and the Human Activities, which I don't listen to, but I saw the title. Um, <laughs> I just can't listen to Jackie. I know, I know, I know. Vagina. Um, but I uh, it's very interesting because when I was a kid growing up, I, I was friends with all the weird kids. Mm -hmm. That's just how it was. So yeah, you yeah. would have been friends with Ed Gein. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's very difficult because you go to school, you be all shifty-eyed, you're kind of stinky and you're kind of odd, and then you go go back to Augusta. So the education process it was it had to, it really stopped there once he got home. And that's these the are the reasons why people like Rick Ocasek learned how to play the guitar. Mm, love <laughs> this is how that. you get women. This yeah. is what you do. This is how you make friends. You got to acquire a skill. Yeah, well, he I mean he did have a skill, I mm -hmm. suppose. I mean, it was a very isolating skill. Yeah, he not, couldn't yeah, really... all the whittling of bones. It's hard to put on a resume. It's hard to put it in a Tinder bio. <laughs> well, yeah, you would. I mean, it worked for Marcus, but technically, I mean, he's also he's got a charm about him. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. yeah. Sure. I'm a little bit better looking than Ed Gein. A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so Eddie, this guy, completely isolated, both emotionally 
and physically, unable to make any friends at school, and every other moment was spent in the company of, as you say, Ben, a drunk, bitter, abusive father Mm. and a domineering know-it-all mother who just constantly asserted that the world outside of the Gein farm was just a place of utter despair Mm -hmm. and sin. And Mm, as far as... Perfect, perfect soup for a killer. It is. (laughs) Delicious cereal killer soup. I love to hear it. That's the thing. We're not talking... People used to call... Playing field, little little Las Vegas. You know, I mean, it was a wild town. They had a they had a light, and uh, they had a whole stoplight. They, they had one, and uh, man, I I wild. hear if you, if if you go look around a corner, you'll find they got three mailboxes. Holy hell! I mean, it was it was going to the devil. Oh yeah, and in fact, anytime Ed would just start to have the beginnings of a friendship at school. Mm. He'd come home and start telling his mother about it because, of course, he told his mother about absolutely everything. And she would just, I mean, it would start with this just kind of low... Mm. Let me tell you everything that's wrong with this kid. There's this thing that's wrong with him. There's right. this thing that's wrong with him. And, oh, did you know his mother did this? And, oh, did you know that her father did that? Mm-hmm. And then by the time she was done with her tirade, she was screaming in his face about the most innocent thing a kid can do is make a friend at school. It's a nice thing for you to do if you're a child to make a friend at school, and good parents encourage such activity. And you know by the end of this rant, her titties were out and her face were sucking one of his one of her nipples. <laughs> 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 exactly. Now come yeah. back. To, now He's come to mommy, Eddie. This is Eddie. what you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do your friends have these big mustard cakes? <laughs> <laughs> no, mother, they don't. They certainly don't. But one day I will. <laughs> All over that. House. <laughs> in that <laughs> corner, <laughs> in that corner, you know where you put the sugar. I'm putting nipples in the sugar. So At sh- least we can say that Ed celebrated the female body. He mm. was the most. We talk about uh, a lot of these serial killers being very misogynistic, being being very uh, anti-woman. We cannot say Ed Gein was anti-woman. Absolutely no, no, not. no, no. He had problems with like. The skull bones yes. and problems with the parts of the women that he didn't re- really could use or wear. Sure. But, um, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, he was very respectful of women. He was. Yeah. And especially of his mother uh, because she just hammered into his head that if he was not in her immediate presence, he was not safe at all, especially from the temptations of women. Mm. And every woman other than Augusta was painted to be a wicked tainted creature and somehow I don't know how Augusta came upon this conclusion but she decided that all of the ills of the world could be blamed on the hussies on the streets of Plainfield. Yeah, I mean did she think that girls were just throwing themselves at young Ed? (laughs) Is that what (laughs) she imagined? Staring at his feet, playing with his pocket, just going like you know, I just... I don't know what to say. I just think skeletons are fun little playing blocks. You know, I, I don't know why I even think that, you know? <laughs> oh, Will you Ed. be my friend? I want to be your friend, Ed. <laughs> so when Rain made it impossible to work the farm, Augusta would gather her sons around her old rocking chair and read from her Bible. One of her favorite verses was from Proverbs, but this one she didn't need to read because she knew it by heart. Mm. And this, I think, sums up Pretty much everything you need to know about Augusta Gein. The lips of a strange woman drop honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But her latter end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Now, therefore, my sons, hearken unto me, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. For why shouldest thou, my son, be ravished with a strange woman, and embrace the bosom of a stranger? What, my son? And what, O son of my womb? And what, O son of my vows? Give not thy strength unto women, nor thy ways to that which destroyeth kings. Mm-hmm. And now this and, comes yeah. from chapter four of the book of sexless nerds. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And of course, um, the reason she loved that passage so much is George ate her out one time and came up and said, oh, that tastes like 
great bitter wormwood. <laughs> I love that. Your bitter. pussy tastes like wormwood. No, yeah, love that wormwood. I put some wormwood in there. Oh yeah, good. <laughs> yeah. I wanted it to taste bad so you wouldn't get a liking for my labia. <laughs> oh my god, I got. Why do I want to see his mother's vagina so bad? I just have to know. Thinking about it. Oh. Now it's like fixtured in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's so bad. And after she would recite this passage, she'd sit her boys down and instruct him in the ways of masturbation. She'd right. just tell him, like, over and over again, like, just masturbate, just masturbate. The sins of Onan are preferable to the sins of the foul women. So, so Mom, is is this technically, are we having the talk? <laughs> is this the talk? We have no, to talk every night. Talk. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, these poor, awkward, poor Henry, too. Oh. You know, we forget I mean, about the older brother in all of this. He was just like, what the fuck is happening? I just straight up believe that Henry just never spoke. No, I don't think that he did. I really don't think he did. With Between dr- drunken George and crazy Augusta, Henry mm-hmm. was a rock and hard place. And here. speaking of George, he would meet the end of his oh. ultimately pointless and miserable existence. Killed in a hunting accident? Oh, no. Stra- died just drinking himself to death. All right. That's the fourth way to die in Wisconsin. <laughs> it was said by locals that he died with a smile on his face. And this is amazing. When George Gein died, Henry was 38 right. and Ed was 34. And she was now, was the mother still reading them these chapters yes, from the Bible yes, at this yes. point? Okay, absolutely. They would literally sit like little boys next to her while right. she read from the Bible to them every single night. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the idea makes, think again, are, makes you know? me hard. This whole situation makes me sexually aroused. Yes, well, we know <laughs> but, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's just not cool. You know what I mean? I mean, you're nearing <laughs> 40 years old, and you're just like, Mommy, is it time for story time tonight again? Yeah, you know, it's, it's like you know when you meet like a 38-year-old DJ who like works at a club and stuff, and a part of you, it's like, grow up and get a real job. This is a 38-year-old man who sits on his mother's knee while she reads <laughs> from the Bible. And then t- <laughs> teaches him the ways of masturbation. Mm-hmm. And remember, this house, no electricity, no indoor plumbing. It does sound so fun, though. Can we go camping? <laughs> I want to get out of here. Yeah, yeah camping is just sit in your room watching your father struggle to make it to your fucking huge mother through the rickety walls. <laughs> can I also, can I ask a, an, an honest question? Because I was thinking about this while I was reading this, of course, and not sexually, not like masturbatory in a way. Um, do you think that she molested them? No, I don't think so. Okay. Yeah. I mean, other than mentally and, uh, yeah, she molested him in a way. Mentally raped them, yes. I'm yes. sorry, I and meant to mo- say, did she molest them? Oh, molestation. <laughs> she um, molested because, them. Uh, I just wonder, because when she said that she taught him the ways of masturbation, I was just like, and this is the way you do it. You got to pull on it. You got to pull on it. <laughs> I bet you that she did. No, I'm sure she did. Mm, it's possible. Isolated. Yeah, of course. She probably watched him. She probably mm. made him do it in front of him. So when George died, Eddie picked up what little slack there was to pick up by taking on various odd jobs as a handyman. He also became kind of a babysitter for local kids. I will say, uh, the, this is kind of a good thing that George was a raging alcoholic because when you do die, your child has to take all your responsibilities on. But Ed's like, oh, he didn't do nothing. <laughs> yeah. So and I just have to sit on the couch for three hours a day now, more. Who in their right fucking mind would choose the guy with the saggy eye who's always half-retardedly smiling? Like, what would possess you? To ask him to be babysitter of your children. <laughs> oh, come on. He's, no. he's a loving guy. Yeah, a bit of an oddball. Now, that is the that's, that is the adjective that comes up over and over and over again with Ed Gein. Bit of an oddball. Yeah, yeah. he was a bit of an oddball. No, <laughs> he was. <laughs> it's playing yeah. field. But he was good with kids. He was great with kids. He would rough house with the boys. Uh, He'd do uh, magic tricks would. for the girls. Yeah. And he'd tell them creepy tales of headhunters and cannibals. I it would but, say if I was a seven-year-old boy, I would love when Ed came over. He would be my best friend. Yeah. Like, oh, I would no, love man. him. I, there's certain things. Well, it's also, this is during his time period when he became obsessed with adventure magazines. Yeah. Mm. Which was, at the time, basically rape stories. Not all of them. <laughs> like a lot of them. So is yeah. the Bible. So yeah. a, f- a few of them. So yeah. now that he was grown up, he could relate to kids, but of course, adults 
mm, could not relate to whatsoever. Right. He was considered a good neighbor, but soft-spoken, a little foolish, but overall polite and decent. The only person who had a bad thing to say about Ed Gein was the local barber mm-hmm. who described Ed, who admittedly cut his own hair. Yeah. He described him as, quote, a filthy thing. It was also really rough when he started wearing those belly buttons as earrings. That was <laughs> yeah. really hard on the neighborhood. Right. This, this barber needs to keep his mouth shut. The barber is like a priest. What is said in a barber shop should be kept quiet and it should be secret. <laughs> Um, that the Ed barber also, what he said too is that Ed would always come and help. Like if you ever ask Ed to come to work on your farm, he would come help. And he said like a, one characteristic about him is that while he looked very slight and soft, he was incredibly strong. Oh yeah, which is a part of I guess just farm life. I don't know. Yeah. I grew up in the fucking bustling cities in New York City, so all I had a sharp mind and quick feet, and I had a fucking graffiti tag my way across the, the bit bopping burrows. No, yeah, it's farm like, life. I could beat you to death, Henry. Yeah, like <laughs> I easily. Know. You I know. Just <laughs> described, you described the movie The Warriors, Henry. Your life was not like that. You're you're, you're a bit more like a George Gein, but uh, without any alcohol. <laughs> oh, I got booze. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Ed. Uh, his relationship with Henry, pretty good. He okay. got along with his bro- brother for the most part. Henry, definitely a little more independent than Ed, but Ed looked up to Henry because Henry actually got a job outside of the Gein farmstead. He oversaw a crew of Jamaicans on a public works project, and for some reason, Ed considered that to be the highest achievement. And how isn't that... How hasn't that been a major motion picture? Uh, the Jamaican, the Jamaican <laughs> construction crew working in Plainfield, Wisconsin. Those poor, poor men who had to go I talk about pitching, culture shock. Yeah, in yeah, 1952, it's like they, they're, they're, they're like, oh all right, God. all right. What we're gonna do? It's about it's about Jamaican, uh, Wisconsin uh, construction workers. We're looking at it's like a cross between Cool Runnings and right. Twelve Years a Slave. Okay, perfect. <laughs> that, those Jamaican, I would have, I would love to hear the Jamaican story of what they thought of the white culture of Plainfield. <laughs> in oh, 19- they probably just kept silent and looked around, and there was like, "Is there a safe place where we could talk? Because everybody's in the woods. They always hide down in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> he dressed like deer, man. He dressed up like deer. You can't tell who's white and who's just who's just a deer, man. <laughs> I agree with that. It's crazy out there." There was only, really only one thing that Henry and Ed disagreed on, and that was Augusta. And Mm. it took a baffling amount of years for Henry to bring up that maybe Ed was a little too close to his mother. I feel like Like, Henry was very sensitive about the issue. You know, Henry wasn't like, oh, Augusta's a crazy wench woman who's holding you back and is the reason for your mental retardation. He's like, maybe you just spent, maybe take an hour away. (laughs) An hour (laughs) apart. Because he probably, because Henry seems like he's like sort of normal, and yeah. he's looking at himself, just being like, "I need to, I need to be normal. I need <laughs> to figure out how to fix my life." And then he's looking at Ed, and Ed's really, really not normal. He loves Ed it. is like the actual thing of an oddball, which is when you're up close to an oddball and you realize, oh, he's a total deviant and Absolutely. fucking psychopath. It's like Nicole <laughs> yeah. Kidman and Tom Cruise. They were both Scientologists, but eventually Nicole Kidman woke up. And then yeah. Tom Cruise is Ed Gein. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, he should play him in a movie. He should. That's the movie Cruise. I want to see, just Ed Gein. Ted Cruise <laughs> is, er, Tom <laughs> Cruise is Ed Gein. I'm all ripped. <laughs> um, you want to do like the Eileen Werno, Charlize Theron oh, thing? Oh, yeah. We try to make her ugly, but she's still pretty hot. Yeah, yeah, Still yeah. hot, still yeah. banging body, yeah. And yeah. it's just him just like still having sex with like Penelope Cruz like out right. in the field. But then, you know. I hate it. I hate Hollywood. I hate that Hollywood does that. Eileen should have been played by a real ugly woman who understood what it was like to be an ugly gal uh, abused by men. Well, you don't I understand mean, ugly. Los Angeles. They take ugly yeah. women and they put them into camps and they gas them. <laughs> That's, right? This is what I, happens in Los Angeles. You would it's know. A cruel place. I believe you. So. Henry, he actually didn't criticize Augusta in the least bit, but there was an implication there that if Ed was spending a little bit too much time with Augusta, then Augusta might be wrong. And you know Ed thought about this for like 
I mean, this was the thing he was thinking about for weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just, I mean, and possibly even years, because three years after George's death, because after George died, that's when Henry, that's when he started to think, okay, maybe this isn't the best thing for me. And who knows? I he may give have stuck, him credit. He may I will have give stuck him around, credit. right? Because he definitely thought about it. Because they said during this time period, he went. Because then he went. He went on the only trip that he had ever went on in his life to go sign up for the army. And he was like, he was trying to figure out what he could do. And they were like, you can't take you in the fucking army. Who are you? Get the hell out. As soon as he showed up, he's like, I'd like to be in the army. Because I think it'd be fun to have a gun. And they're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Absolutely not. Just get the hell out of here. Um, But so he, he knew. That, that things were a little unusual in the house. Oh, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you can't go try to join the army when you call a bayonet a butter knife. And uh, <laughs> he definitely, um, this was, no one was going to take him. Yeah. So when Augusta yells at him and tells him that nobody wants him, she's not lying. Well, she's made him that way. Well, she's, right. Yeah, she has made him unlovable. Essentially, right. by anybody except for her, and he doesn't really want to be loved by anyone except her. His mm. entire world revolved around Augusta, and the only love that he wanted in this world was the love of his mother. Yeah. And three years after George's death, Henry Gein would be dead as well. And this is a matter of speculation, huge speculation, probably the biggest matter of speculation surrounding Ed Gein that he may have actually killed Henry. I'm just going to start a little whisper campaign right now. He did it. He did it. He may have done it. There's a strong possibility that he did it. He did it. He did it. He did it. He may have also been killed by the elements while fighting a runaway brush fire. Yeah, but then they found him and he had no burn marks on him and his clothes were completely fine and he was choked to death. Okay. <laughs> that was the thing. They found him, and they said that maybe the fumes from the fire had caused him to asphyxiate, but it was just like Ed who found him. Ed was right. the only one with him. Right. He went out and, you know, like he was like, oh, like he did the thing where he saw Ed do Henry choke, and he was like, help. Ooh, somebody, somebody help. Like yeah. quietly to himself, like, better call 911. Oh, help. Yeah. help. My brother's dying. Help. Yeah. Help. Until he was good and dead, and then he ran and got help. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this would require Henry to be like, I like to go down to fires and just take a deep breath. I mean, because he wasn't, he was, he never caught fire. Well, they were fighting fires from both right. sides. You know, they were trying, it was on their land, they were trying to save it. And Ed, uh, he said his version of the story is that they split up. He went back to find Henry. Uh, couldn't find him because darkness was starting to fall. He went back to town, but when he brought authorities back out, he was able to go straight. Right to Henry's body. Nailed. See that he wasn't creative enough to like stumble upon it. Yeah, yeah just kind of fake oh, it. No, and when oh, they asked him, it. and when they asked him like how he was able to lead him straight to the body, he just kind of shrugged and said, "Funny how that works." What work? Please, oh, <laughs> funny how it works, Ed. There's nothing funny about it. Your brother, he's dead. It's a funny. That is a funny joke, Ed. That is, it a funny, is funny, isn't it? Cops that works. I just don't think that police arrested murderers until 1998. It's just, I mean, you could do whatever you wanted back then. They worked a little. The Robert Durst explanation for many years of just being like, he had his reasons. Yeah. (laughs) Well, they weren't big on investigation for a really long time. No. Like, it it was just because they thought, like, you know what? There's no way that, you know, little old meek Eddie Gein could hurt anybody, much less kill him. He'd also been known in town for having an extreme aversion to violence. Yeah. Uh, that he he wouldn't even go hunting when which is like a fucking very weird thing in Wisconsin especially oh, in that people, community where everybody went fucking hunting everybody. they actually called him I, lo- I forgot about this nickname they called him the she's they're just a uh, Eddie's just another weak acting Casper milk toast <laughs> yeah which is a that's a very very high insult oh that's a high that's an insult in the highest degree in Wisconsin so Casper are they talking about Casper Wyoming no Casper no. the ghost oh. little scaredy cat Oh, scaredy no, ghost! I think this was before Casper. The no, ghost. Casper the ghost was around in the early 1900s. <laughs> I don't what? think you know your comic book history. Co- that oh, much. I know my history. <laughs> you just like funny things that look like globs of semen. <laughs> I laugh at a lot of strange globular things. <laughs> so Ed, finally, after all of these years, he finally had his mother. 
all to himself. Oh. It was just Ed and Augusta in the house, but the domestic bliss wouldn't last, for soon after Henry's death, Augusta would fall victim to a stroke. She would be in and out of the hospital for a few months, and Mm. Ed finally tending to her every need. He was finally able to just have her completely in his control. Can I read uh, her favorite Bible passage that he would have him read to her while she was on her deathbed? Yes. Thank you. O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sorely vexed. But thou, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give me thanks? I'm weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. Mine eyes is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. I love it. It sounds like Prince of Nottingham from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> or King of Nottingham. A little bit of Rael in there. Yeah, great. <laughs> I love that. Very fun. So... Ed was able to tend to her every single knee, but her end would come in the winter of 1945, Mm. a week before her death. This is the trigger, mind you. This is the trigger for Augusta's death. Ed traveled to the farm of a man named Bill Smith to to buy a little bit of straw. Augusta, she's still on the mend from her first stroke, but she had absolutely no faith in her son as a negotiator, so she came along, of course. They drove up to the house, and they found Bill beating a dog on the front porch, Uh arguing with a woman that he'd been shacking up with. Uh-oh. Yeah, he wasn't married. He was just shacking up. Look at that. And the man eventually just beat the dog to death while the woman wept and screamed. Pretty traumatic sure. type of a situation. The death of the dog, Augusta could not give less of a fuck. Mm. It was the mere sight of this so-called harlot that upset her the most. She just ranted and raved about the sin of these two for a full day and night, would not stop talking about, and completely exhausted herself. And just a few days later, she dropped dead of a second stroke, killed by her own judgmental nature. Thank God. And, you know, it's funny because she had a stroke. She was like, oh, that's fucking whore. Ah, harlot. You know, her, half of her face is going south. It's terrible. That was the close to the most boring story setup of all time where Ed Gein went down to Bill Smith's house to buy some grain. That's like a Wisconsin tale. Oh, my God. Well, let me tell you something about old Ed Gein. One day, he was going to Bill Smith's house. Yeah. Turns out Eddie... Needed to buy a little bit of straw. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is just one of the darndest things I ever heard. He's absolutely sinister. <laughs> I'll tell you that going to buy straw. That's something sinister I've never heard. Who needs straw when you're living on a farm? Straw's fucking everywhere. Think about it. <laughs> and, of course, Augusta, her obituary, I think, sums up the feelings that the townsfolk had for this woman right. perfectly. Miss Augusta Gein died at the Wild Rose Hospital on December 29th of a cerebral brain hemorrhage. The body was brought to the Galt Funeral Home where services were held December 31st. Reverend C.H. Wise officiating. She is survived by one son, that fucking weird guy, Eddie, who lives in the home farm southwest of here. <laughs> Wild Rose, Wild Rose. That's that's a fun hospital to go to. Go down to the old Wild Rose. A real shitty way to spend New Year's Eve as well. Oh yes, yeah. (laughs) And the only people to show up to her funeral were a couple of her family members, specifically her two brothers, Hmm. who were also unmarried. Oh, oh that is a fun little thing that makes everybody totally uh, isolated and weird. Yes, <laughs> yes. I would have loved to see this funeral. And, of course, Ed was there. 
inconsolable, weeping uncontrollably, its face just covered with tears and snot. Bet you he feels bad about killing his only family now. (laughs) (laughs) And he told the congregation she was too good, just too good for all that suffering. Oh, he did, he loved his mom so much. Yeah, and after I just feel bad. And after a local woman tried to to, to console him, uh, saying she was finally at peace, he said, "Yep, she's truly at peace. Now I'm alone. I'm truly alone in the world." <laughs> what a cry for Ed! But me, but then first of all, it's just like you're. It's like but while you're trying to offer solace, you're like, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, sure, yes, I'm just trying to say, feel better. I know. By you being just you're weird, man. Yeah, I mean he's weird. <laughs> but I'm sure I'm I mean he had to embrace a woman very uh, aggressively and hold her far too long at some point during these services and then realized that ain't ma. Yeah. So after mama died, Eddie Gein's free to live a bachelor life and then yep. he found a girlfriend and then they shocked up and everything was totally cool, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I I love the way this story ends. He says, I'm finally free. I'm finally free. He got a beautiful Yeah, and then it turns gal. into Entourage, mm-hmm. right, where it's him hanging out with Jeremy Piven and they go to Vegas and you got Johnny Vegas and Billy Vegas oh, and the guy God. named like Tony Cleveland. Yeah. They're all hanging out with Sasha Gray. It's the weirdest <laughs> thing is Tony Cleveland's the only one from Vegas, which Weird. is kind of one of those bizarre kind of a fun little thing. Um, no, oh, this is when God. things got really fucked up for him. This is where Ed Gein's entire life falls apart. He has no family members to control him whatsoever. And this is a man, it's like if you were in solitary confinement for 20 years and you get thrown out into the middle of, uh, you know, the middle of some random uh, metropolis and you're just left to fend for yourself. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it just, and, but I'd also say this is the, uh, the, the, the perfect example of the, ter- you know, the, the idol's hands. Idle hands are the devil's tools. Right, 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 right. <laughs> That's kind of what this is all about. Yeah, you could say I this mean, whole story is about like we we could still say Eddie Edgeen, please get a hobby. But what he did, a different <laughs> hobby, get a different hobby. Yeah, idle hands are the devil's tools, but unless you use hands, so I don't. Did he use the hands as hammers? Ever? I don't think he can. That would be kind of fun. I think it's too fleshy. Oh, okay. It'll just pass right through that. You mm. ever? Yeah, I mean, I've put my hand through a hammer before, or a hand through a nail before. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you did construction all wrong. Marcus That's why you never made it in that business. Yeah, Marcus yeah. did construction for one day, but he brought no tools. He's like, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> he <laughs> went straight from Texas, and he was going like, hey, hey, look. I brought my own damn hammers. And the best part about these hammers that they're also screwdrivers and also help me drink my beer. All right, so that's Ed Gein part one. Obviously, part two is coming up next. What a great Wisconsin tale. Um, very, very interesting. Again, if you are... Um, if you, I don't know, wanting to uh, dig up graves and uh, make nipple belts and things like that, don't even bother. You can just go on Etsy yeah. and buy your own nipple belt. It's already been made for you. I mean, really, if Ed would have had the internet, none of this would have happened. I think the internet has saved a lot of lives. I really do think it has. Yeah. They can outrage. Yeah, you could have just bought some fake skeletons and had them around the house. Yeah, or <laughs> absolutely. He could have made his whole macabre house, and it would have been really fun. It would have been a great haunted house during the Halloween season. Oh, Everyone yeah. would have loved to go over there and visit the old Gein house. No, he could just Ed, go. Ed and could have been hugged a couple of more times. Yeah. I think you know that this is one of those cases where he could have been hugged a little bit more. Well, I think he was hugged after his mother berated him and made him cry, and then I, it was very bizarre affection, you know, back and forth. Yeah, yeah. which is the the old seesaw that creates a uh, killer. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's see here. Let's do I'm going to do a hail yourselves. Thank you guys so much for listening. And make sure to follow uh, Marcus Parks on Twitter. And that's Henry Loves You on Twitter. I'm at Ben Kissel. And, of course, last podcast on the left, LP on the left mm-hmm. on Twitter. Um, hail sweet Satan. Uh, you're always there when I need you. Uh, like I was so hungry on set yesterday. And I was like, please, Satan, will you feed feed what I need? Um, and uh, uh, they had burritos at right. the at the crafty table. So that's craft services coming through there in the, yeah. the big production. Sweet, sweet company. Satan. Uh, one, one more thing is uh, go to iTunes and rate and review uh, if uh, if you haven't done so already and go to cavecomedyradio.com slash last podcast on the left and uh, get yeah. your very own last podcast on the left t-shirt. And Henry, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how the shoot's going? How's everything in Toronto with you? Top secret. Okay, very good. Thank you so much for sharing. <laughs> it's fucking great. Okay. Uh, uh, 
I I don't know how to say it. I'm living I'm living I'm living a nerd's wet dream right now. Awesome. Uh, also, um, I I do have a message to give. Uh, Christopher Russo uh, wants to say to Anos Sionis um, that he loves you and you were right. And he wants you to come home. Wow, isn't that <laughs> something? And uh, thank you guys so much for supporting the shows that Marcus and I do as well uh, here on CCR. We had we had three in the top uh, 200, you know, uh, this uh, uh, past week or so on iTunes. So that really means a lot to all of us. Yeah, thank we're really so choking the airwaves with our thick fucking cocks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, so we can actually fully say Hail Gein today. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hail, Hail Gein. Gein. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Fully and completely. Yes. All right, and hail, hail me as well. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com.